0: Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the desert of Judea, announcing, Change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. He was the one of whom Isaiah the prophet spoke when he said, The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and all around the Jordan River came to him. As they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Many Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized by John. He said to them, You children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. I baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who is coming after me is stronger than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husks is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn. But he will burn the husks with a fire that can't be put out. The Gospel of the Lord. John the Baptist proclaiming the coming of the Messiah might be my favorite moment of the Advent season. Each year I look forward to the point when we get to hear from this messenger of the Lord about the imminent arrival of God's chosen one, about the nearness of God's kingdom. And this year, as I was looking at some different translations, I found that the Common English Bible makes this passage pop even more for me. Many translations of John's words tell us to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand. But the CEB strikes my ears as being just a little more straightforward, just a little more immediate and urgent. Change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. The freshness and the urgency of this translation helps me to see John's proclamation anew to love this text that I cherish even more deeply. The first thing that I want us to consider this morning is substituting the word repent with the phrase, change your hearts and lives. In the Greek, it is just one word, metanoite, so we can say how. So we can see how saying repent lets us have that one-word-to-one-word translation. It lets us maintain the rhetorical flow of John's words. And there is a certain efficiency to just using one precise word if it will suffice. But what about the meaning, the emotion of John's message? I don't know about all of you, but repent is one of those words that even as a theologian, doesn't convey a whole lot of feeling to me. It's the kind of word that my mind has to linger on for a second before I can feel its impact. Change your hearts and lives, though. That's something that I can feel just as quickly as I can comprehend it. And the actual meaning of that word that John uses is telling his listeners that they have to change their purpose in life. They have to set aside the things that are not about God, so that they can make a meaningful change in their lives. And I know this is a little nitpicky to spend this much time on one word out of 12 verses. But our interpretation of the whole passage hinges on whether that one word calls us to change. Metanoite is an imperative. It is an instruction that John is commanding us to follow but it's also an invitation that's calling us toward the future. And if we miss the invitation in John's words, we're left only with their harshness. We would be left with the pronouncement of judgment without the opportunity for transformation. Because yes, on the one hand, John is absolutely channeling his prophetic forerunners to proclaim a coming judgment. When John declares that the Messiah will cast the husks into a fire that can't be put out, we can't help but hear the echoes of Isaiah, who declared that those who rebel against God will be tossed into an ever-burning fire. It's like taking Santa Claus and cranking him all the way up to 11. Naughty boys and girls don't get coal, they become coal. But on the other hand, When we see the invitation in John's words, we can also see the process of winnowing within our own hearts. The winnowing process was a way for the farmers of ancient Israel to separate the usable part of their grain from the unusable parts, the husks. So after the harvest had been gathered, the grain was tossed into the air so that the husks would float away while the seeds would fall back down. In some cases, the husks would then be tossed into a burning fire. So we see that burning the chaff or the husks is not done simply for the sake of destruction. It's a process of separating what is good and useful from that which is useless. And so when we hear John's words, we know that he's not merely repeating the threats of the prophets. He's not merely saying that entire people will be cast into the flames. He's also telling us that the fire can burn away the things that would separate us from God. That if we change our hearts and lives, we are left with what is good. We are spared from the dreadful fate of our worst behaviors. And for each of us, that work of separating what is good and useful in our lives from what is useless is going to be different. For one person, it might be struggling with issues of vanity and pride. For another, it might be struggling with issues of self-worth and doubt. For yet another person, it might be struggling against an addiction the things in our life that keep us from being able to enjoy what God desires for us are as varied as every one of our life's stories. And yet every one of us has the ability to work toward wellness. Each of us has the opportunity to throw the things that we have into the air before God and to let the breath of the Holy Spirit carry away that which is useless. All we have to do is to take that first step, to let go of whatever we're holding on to and throw it up before the Spirit. The Messiah has come to baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire so that we can be liberated from whatever thing in our life is weighing us down. When we work alongside the Anointed One, we find that more and more we will be left with a stockpile of seeds that as we go about the hard work of changing our hearts and lives, we are more and more able to plant seeds that will bear further good fruit. Then, as we reap the fruits of our labor, we'll find that our harvest in Christ becomes ever more plentiful. We will find that over time, good fruits give way to more good fruits, that liberation from the worries of this world give way to greater freedoms. Which brings us back to that second thing that I so greatly appreciate about the CEB translation of John's words. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. Again, from a translation perspective, this phrase roughly conveys the same thing as saying, the kingdom is near, or the kingdom is at hand. But there's something more emotionally resonant to here comes the kingdom of heaven it bursts with excitement it conveys a barely constrained anticipation imagine that you're waiting to meet up with a friend that you haven't seen for a long time or maybe it's family that you only get to see on rare occasions as their car comes pulling up are you going to say they are at hand or are you more likely to see them coming down the road and exclaim hey Here they come. It's this excitement, this energy that I think the CEB perfectly captures for our Advent season. In our world, it can often feel like things are so far out of our control that there's nothing we can do about them. Young people especially are looking at the world that they will inherit and are being overwhelmed by depression and suicide because it seems as though nothing can make a difference. John says otherwise. John says, don't give up hope. Something better is just around the corner. The kingdom is coming. It's right there. And that hope of the world that is to be is the crucial element in having the energy to do the hard work. Why go through the energy of gathering up the seeds to plant if you don't think you're going to have anywhere to put them? Why bother with the harvest for the future if it doesn't seem like there will be a future? This despair, this hopelessness, is why we need the prophets. We need John to remind us that God's work is not yet done. God is still planting. God wants us to join in the work. God wants us to enjoy the fruits in the kingdom. Get ready. Here it comes. Now would you all please pray with me. God of the harvest, plant the seed of your hope in every one of our hearts. Tend to us, nurture us, love us so that your fruit may blossom in our soul. Help us to prune away the things that we don't need so that we can grow more perfectly In your image. Amen.